Hello and welcome to Shock Talks Career Chats, a collaborative effort with the WSU Alumni Association and the Shocker Career Accelerator, where we talk to a panel of professionals about questions of the job, life, and everything in between. Today, we're talking with a panel of human resource professionals about advice and tips on Zoom etiquette, interview techniques, skills to develop, resume tweaks, and so much more. We cover everything from being a student getting ready to graduate, to looking for your first job, to even maybe that career change later on in life. We have tips for just about everybody today, and make sure you watch all the way through so you can take notes. But first, I've got to introduce uh, our moderator, which is Brian Austin. Uh, he is the Director of Applied and Experimental Learning. Uh, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, uh, introduce our HR professionals. Yeah, thanks, Tate. So Brian Austin, Wichita State University Shocker Career Accelerator. Uh, I've been helping students connect with employers uh, and employers connect with students uh, for, gosh, almost seven years now here at Wichita State. Second, I'd like to thank our alumni panel for joining us today. So uh, I will let our panelists, as Tate said, give you guys some advice and tips on how to get hired in the new year. And so if you all would like to introduce yourselves, uh, just state your name, your workplace, position, and length of time working in HR. And if you're an alumni, uh, please, you know, share with us your graduation year and your major. So we'll start with Jenna. <laughs> uh, Jenna Lyson, I actually um, director of human resources at Martin Pringle. This is a new position for me. I've been here exactly a year. Um, prior to that, I spent about 17 years at Allen Gibson Hulick. Um, a good chunk of my job, no matter where I've worked, healthcare, aviation, it's been interviewing. Uh, talent and bringing them on. So, and I'm not going to tell you what year I graduated because I'm not real sure I can remember that far back. But I did That's get okay. My, I did get my MBA in 1995, so I do know that one. <laughs> there you go. Wow, thank you, Jenna. Uh, Lane. Hi, Lane Lynn. I'm actually the manager of talent acquisition here at Wichita State University. Um, prior to that, um, I've been in the talent acquisition field for about 15 years, um, always on that side of HR. Um, I always like to say that I, I really have a passion for uh, kind of intersecting where, where people want to be and where they want to work. So, It's a great introduction. And Kent. Hello. I guess you say I'm kind of the HR baby here. I'm a recent grad. I graduated back in 2019. I majored in human resource management. I am the current human resource director at the Cancer Center in Kansas. Prior to that, I was an HR recruiter intern at Barton Learjet. So recruitment has always been probably my biggest question, but now I'm starting to dig into benefits, um, payroll, as well as employee relations. So definitely excited to work. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and Kent, just to kind of ask, how so now since you graduated relatively recently, how many times have you sat on the other side of an interview table, you know, interviewing uh, new candidates? Um, like being the interviewer? Right. Um, so I would say uh, I interned at Mario Learjet for a year and a half. Um, but even prior to that, um, I was a part of SHRM as well as my fraternity. Um, I would interview potential members as well. Um, right. So it always relates to that as well. So I would say about two Coaching two years, three years. Wow, it's fantastic. Well, very good. Thank you all for those introductions. Um, and so we'll kind of go round robin with this. But if anyone has, you know, any contributions and, and wants to jump in and go out of order, please be 
be our guest here. So, um, but I'll kick this first one to Jenna. So, uh, Jenna, in this new world, uh, and and take this question any way you want. What effect have virtual interviews had on hiring practices? Well, I would say, first of all, it allowed the interviews to continue, um, especially when you're talking last March and April. Um, we were able to continue interviews with college students uh, that normally I don't think would have happened. Uh, so it allowed the process to go on. Um, on the selfish side, I could book three or four <laughs> interviews pretty quickly, uh, didn't leave my office. <laughs> Uh, could pull in people when I needed to. So um, there's an advantage to them. There's also a disadvantage. Um, I'm sure every HR person has the uh, new virtual story they would like to tell. <laughs> but I did interview a young lady that uh, her cat was walking all over the table behind her. And uh, it was a little distracting. <laughs> I, I realized I wasn't listening to the answers of her questions because I was waiting for this cat to tip over a vase. Um, <laughs> and she was extremely relaxed in her posture and her chair. Uh, I later brought her in for a live interview because I thought that went so poorly. So that, I think that's the disadvantage is sometimes to get a really good feel of a candidate, you may have to do it person to person. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you mentioned the... Uh the fact that she was slouched and I was curious and kind of bounce, continue that question and bounce it to Lane and Ken. Um, what else have you noticed about uh, uh, virtual interviews and what effects they've had on hiring practices? You know, um, I love them. I, I think it's great. I think it's a, gr a great way to get uh, a first impression on somebody. Um, I also think it's a great way to whittle down your, your talent pool. So as you're going through and selecting, you know, you may do video interviews with three, four, or five candidates, and then may bring that final candidate in um, to do that to, to do that meet and greet. Um, I've also found it very helpful to ask for work product and to be able to share that. So think of being using a Zoom meeting and being able to say, you know, in advance of our interview, can you please prepare a sample work product about this? And then being able to share it in more of that collaborative environment, um, almost like leading a presentation. So you get a better um, sense of a work asset, like a work product and what it may be like, you know, is it is it well formatted? What are the presentation skills like? Um, so I've been trying to really use that, you know, to to my advantage wherever possible. Right. The ability to share your screen, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something you didn't have before you could bring a portfolio or something like that or you know use a whiteboard but yeah interesting uh, interesting capacity that we're able to utilize that so yeah can't do you have anything to add to that um i think very similar to what jenna um says like it, it was really uh time efficient um, we were able to knock out so many interviews so quickly because it was just so convenient um, to have but i feel like Sometimes it's not always the same. I feel like, you know, even though we can see the candidates face to face, it's not the same as an in-person interview. Um, like she mentioned, there's a lot of stories. We had one candidate who he had a baby running around and then the baby threw the ball in her face. <laughs> so it definitely was a big distraction for the interview. And then, but we kind of felt like she had a lot of potential. So we did bring her in for an in-person interview later on. Um, and then it also kind of, you kind of get like a phone screen potential as well. So if we saw a candidate and they were in their pajamas, 
uh, we can kind of screen them out candidates right away. Um, so it was a kind of like a pre-check essentially, but it wasn't a huge obstacle. Um, we have done virtual interviews for candidates outside of state before, so it wasn't too much of a transition, I would say. It was more of an obstacle when we would interview with masks on in person. That was a big struggle. Yeah, of course, if you're sitting, you know, if it's just you doing the interview, no masks required, right? If it's someone, if you, if you're, your interviewers are in, you know, using different panels, like we're talking today, different computers, no need for masks. But I, if you're sitting in the same room with this, you know, looking at the same computer, I could see how that, that could be a challenge. So um, I hope this is okay. Uh, I'm going to jump to another, maybe more fun question down the line since Kent brought up some no-nos and so did Jenna. Um, so what do you see repeated when interviewing candidates uh, that they should not be doing? Um, can I jump in here, Brian? Um, so I have a couple of things that I've noticed, and this could be virtual or in person, but um, I see continued use of cell phones during interviews, whether it's checking them, going off, just being distracted by the notifications. Exactly, I saw that. Um, that still happens, so that's always been one of my big pet peeves. I tell people, leave them in the car, whatever you have to do, just make sure that you're really focused um, on the task at hand. And then the second um, thing that I always like to remind people is that please don't get your parents involved in the hiring process. So um, happens way more than you think. Uh, when I will get a call from a parent saying, why did you not select my child? Um, and I try and remind them very nicely that that would be between me and, and their child, who's an adult. So um, quick pointers, you know, so when you go out there. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, Jenna, Kent. I think I'm unmuted now. <laughs> I, I would say uh, the biggest problem I still have is people being totally unprepared for the interview. Um, whether it's a placement company that set them or they saw my ad on LinkedIn, I'm still amazed because I still ask the same question, what do you know about our company? And uh, today I just interviewed someone right before this and she honestly said, I don't have an idea. I know you're a law firm. Um, <laughs> it's just, how do you know you want to work there if you don't know anything about the company? So someone that's that unprepared is, I, that's just my pet peeve. It doesn't take much effort. The interview is scheduled for a week <laughs> and we're on the internet. Right. Kent, any other uh, sort of no-nos or stories in addition to what you've already shared that you've seen? Yeah, so I'm still really surprised to see um, professional etiquette dress-wise. Um, that is still an issue we still have. People come in in t-shirts and shorts, and I'm just appalled that, you know, this is something that I thought would be kind of common sense a little bit that you would know to dress for an interview, but that's still an issue we encounter. And also eye contact. I notice, I can see, you know, I can understand that they're nervous, but that's a huge um, issue that we have. A lot of candidates who just talk like this and just look down at the table the whole time. Um, and even when I was interviewing um, for a job, um, there was one in, job in Kansas City, and the interviewers, the HR people, would not look at me. They would just stare down the whole time. And that really, I guess, kind of turned me off from the company itself as well. So kind of both sides. So I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves to give them, 
you know, the full attention and then hopefully vice versa, they can start improving their eye contact as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I understand I'm going to, hopefully this works, but yeah, you don't want people doing interviews like this. You know, <laughs> people, people want to see your smiling face, see your facial expressions, as Jenna said, whether or not they're slouching, you know, that all makes sense. Um, so, so considering that there may be different audiences watching, so from, from experienced professionals who may be, you know, look, doing that interview, uh, you know, maybe it's their uh, fourth or fifth or sixth really big interview in their career uh, versus, you know, a student who may be interviewing for an internship. Have you seen a difference in the mistakes that, say, a, um, a more experienced professional might make or a I hate, I hate to narrow it down to a specific factor like age groups, but are different age groups making different mistakes or is it all across the board? I would say it's probably all across the board. Um, I've seen, you know, tenured professionals go in with the assumption that um, they know everything <laughs> and um, that, you know, kind of with almost an air of uh, entitlement. Um, and then I, I can tell you that I've had some of the best interviews across the board with intern candidates. So I really think it just really depends on, on the person and the individual. I think that there are abilities for everyone to shine beautifully, whether it's an in-person or virtual interview. And I think there's also opportunities for them to maybe, um, maybe turn off the interviewer, mm. in both aspects. Thanks for that response, Lane. Um, so this is it's a very general question. It's one you've probably gotten many times before, but what career competencies or power skills do you look for in a new hire more than any other? So generally we're talking non-technical skills. So. I will say that especially with young people right out of college, um, I'm looking for their ability to ask questions. <laughs> Um, which will help their orientation process just getting in. And I just actually have fought that recently with someone who uh, they, they just didn't think about asking questions because they still think, well, if I'm not doing it right, my boss will tell me. And uh, it just doesn't always work that way, unfortunately, with different generations in the environment. So I'm looking for someone that is assertive enough to ask the questions. I want somebody who has that agility to learn on the fly, as well as, um, you know, really perhaps just being able to work together in a team. So kind of piggybacking off of what Jenna said, that ability to ask questions, but also be able to assimilate um, in a very quick, uh, you know, time frame is always helpful. I do believe communication is very important. So whether it's uh, verbal, written, on the telephone, um, so many times we, we have to communicate uh, across multiple channels and just being that being able to uh, communicate clearly, concisely, and timely. Across different platforms, right? In, in person, via email, via phone, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kent, anything to add? Yeah, I think over here at the Cancer Center, since, um, you know, we're at the Cancer Center, we deal with a lot of cancer patients. Um, it's a very hard topic. Um, I think one thing we always look for is compassion, passion, and outgoingness. I feel like, you know, we want to find almost everyone here that works here has that drive to make that connection with the patient. 
to be there in the beginning of their diagnosis, to be there at the end. And we want to see that in the interview. We want to see that in action when they get hired. We want to see the love and affection that they're doing this because they love it, not for a paycheck. Um, I feel like that is a huge thing that we always look for. It's kind of like, you know, their excitement when we talk about the cancer center. You know, why are they interested in working for the cancer center? You know, what's behind it? What really drives and motivates you to get out of bed and go to work every day? So that's stuff that we kind of look for when we hire our nurses. Right. And and to tie back to one of Jenna's responses. So, you know, one of the ways I imagine that they can demonstrate that passion uh, is by doing some research on the company or the can uh, the uh, Kansas Cancer Center before they come in for the interview. So, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, what are some common misconceptions people have when they are preparing for an interview? So is there anything that we can do or communicate today that could kind of help them out? Uh, I think uh, one misconception that I've seen and I've learned that I've witnessed is that sometimes we put so much emphasis on the professionalism, like being so professional, being perfect, and um, being so serious in the interview. I feel like, um, yes, that is true, just be professional, um, dress-wise and etiquette, but then I feel like when I see a candidate who's up like this the whole time, talking like this, like a robot, and it's scripted, we can see through that. Um, and it's sad to see candidates get rejected because their personality doesn't get the shine because they're so worried about how they, you know, present themselves as a professional um, person. And I feel like sometimes you need to find the fine balance between professionalism and then also just being yourself. Um, sometimes we just, I mean, at the end of the day, it's work, but then we're people. We're hiring people, not robots. And we want to have fun with you. We want to have some fun with someone who can crack a joke once in a while. So but that's one thing I noticed. Yeah. Does anyone want to bounce off of Kent's comments there? I think that's important. You know, how can candidates show their humanity, right? How can they show their 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 character? Because of course, I, I can imagine that's important. You want to make sure that they fit in, you know, culturally to the team, right? So. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there, Brian. So um, kind of piggyback, piggybacking off of what Kent said, I mean, we are hiring people, right? I mean, and that that's so vitally important. And it's actually a two-way street, meaning that the person has to be a good fit for the company and the company has to be a good fit for the person. So it's really vitally important that that's a good match. We spend so much time with the people that we work with that part of it has to be, do I like this person, right? Is this person qualified for the position? Can they do it? And how are they going to fit in with the team? And so being able to show um, just a little bit of who you are, I think that's going to be important on both sides um, because it does have to be a match between between the employer and, and the person. I also want to let people know that it's okay that they don't have to immediately start talking right after um, they hear a question. Sometimes it's okay to pause and reflect and think and then go into it. I, I think it's okay to not have the answer immediately, but to take that time and then answer a question appropriately. Um, you know, it's to me, it's a misconception that you have to just answer and fire when ready and be that prepared. I'd much rather people think, have a nice, concise response and then respond to a question. 
That's that's great. Yeah, sometimes you know, start a sentence without ever knowing where it's going. Uh, I think that's what Michael Scott says in the office. So, yes. Uh, so Jenna, you look like you wanted to say something there. Yeah, I was going to say mine's less about the actual in-person interview, but with college students, uh, it's something where we we take them out to events. Maybe it's a dinner. Maybe it's a larger group. And I think uh, the misconception that we run into a lot is they forget that they're not in an interview situation. If they are out with an employer anywhere, any place, they're being judged <laughs> in that situation. A lot of it is culture fit. Um, but I've seen huge faux pas that have happened um, at a lunch table or just running into them, maybe even on campus at a campus event. Um, it's just you're running into that employer. You need to think they're this is an opportunity, the interview's just different. Right, how often does that happen? I, you know, I recall in my career, I think I, uh, the only time that I was taken out to lunch as part of the interview or breakfast was, you know, I think that's only happened to me one time, but it's standard practice with some employers, isn't that the case? I think it's almost standard practice with some of the student organizations. That's where a lot of that has happened. Um, the student organizations have invited us in and then we have events at the employer where we invite those organizations in and um, I, I just, uh, they, they need to remember, and it may be casual, it may be casual clothes are okay, uh, but casual behavior is not. <laughs> the question I was interested in, uh, I think it's really relevant because I don't think a lot of uh, people, unless you're in the middle of a job search, understand how intensive this process can be, but can you explain what your organization's typical application process is? Um, you know, one of the things that I find myself, or that I have discovered, is that with some organizations, it's as simple as looking at the job description and submitting, you know, adjusting your resume to fit and submitting that resume to whoever it says you should submit it. With other organizations, uh, I find that it takes, you know, at least 45 minutes to an hour and a half to get through your applicant tracking system. So if you want to just speak to that a little bit, strategies when applying for jobs, uh, how long your application processes typically take for single opportunity, that kind of thing. Well, I can speak, I, I've worked for small organizations for the last 20 years of my career. So it happens fast because uh, I am the tracking system. <laughs> <laughs> They uh, usually a contact with me and things can fly pretty quickly. Um, the application process is me giving it to you so you can fill out the application. Uh, so I don't have a great deal of systems like I did when I came out of aviation and I may not get a resume for about a week. <laughs> Kent, Lane, anything you want to add? So I, I would say that um, first off, I encourage everyone to apply for jobs that they are qualified for. Um, but at the same time to really understand the need for uh, qualifications and preferred qualifications, meaning that if something requires an engineering degree, you really need to have an engineering degree to be qualified for it. If a preferred qualification is um, the ability to speak Spanish, well, that's a preferred qualification. So I just encourage um, all applicants to really look through 
what are the minimum qualifications that somebody needs to have to apply? And then what are the preferred qualifications um, when you're making that decision on whether or not to apply for a position? There are a lot of positions that I may think I can do, but I can tell you, like, I am not qualified to be a lawyer in any way, shape or form as I do not have a JD or a law degree. Um, but I think I could do that position pretty well, but that doesn't actually make me qualified and I probably will not move forward in that position. So, um, you know, that's one thing that I always like to remind people. And second is I encourage people to allow themselves enough time for whatever that formal application process is. So to kind of tie into it, Jenna said, there's a lot of different ways. I mean, you can email a resume. So that's how, how quick and efficient some, some companies are doing things. You can apply through their applicant tracking system where they may even have assessments tied to it. So you're actually going in not only just uploading your resume, filling out an application, then they may move you over to an assessment process. And that whole process can take 45 minutes. So I would encourage you to make sure that you have the time to, to do that. Um, and part of that is actually a process to see how many people are actually interested in the actual position. It's a weed out. So if, if you're not fully committed to that, then, then they wouldn't wanna move you forward either. Um, and then others are just upload and, and, and move on. So um, at, there are varying different levels of, of that and everyone's process is really different. So I just encourage everyone to be responsive, to phone and email. <laughs> I think that's very important. Check your voicemail, right? Recruiters leave voicemails, they email. Sometimes now they, they text. Um, and then make sure that if you're asked to do something, do it in a quick and timely manner, no matter what the process is. Remember, the process is actually the company's and it's not yours as an applicant. So as an applicant, whether you're an entry level or a professional is really, can you follow instructions in a quick and timely manner? Because that can always expedite the process as well. And it kind of gives you brownie points as you're moving through. It's a great response. Jenna, uh, Kent, I'm curious, how many times have you called a, an, a candidate uh, to schedule an interview or something and then found that, I'm sorry, the person you've called has their mailbox that is full. Please uh, hang up and try again. Has, does that happen? Yes, uh, a lot. And um, since I'm part of a small company right now, so back when I was in Barrier, we used to have a tracking system. So those, that process was pretty, uh, Clear cut, like if you didn't have the requirements, I'm sorry for the specific job. If you didn't have it, your cut already. I sent all the requirements that meet the qualifications to the director. Um, for small companies, we just use our website as well as Indeed and then word of mouth. Um, you can call in, send an application, or they can contact me in email. So, definitely a different process. And since Indeed doesn't list um, their email sometimes, um, when I get that voicemail where I can't leave a voicemail, then how in the world do I get in contact with them? And then they potentially lose out and I just got to keep calling until the point where if we already hire somebody, I'm sorry, it's too late. Um, and I guess tip wise, um, you know, it's, I always get uh, questions from like my friends, my peers, you know, is there any point in doing a cover letter or getting a reference letter at all? Um, and they're like, is it just a waste of time? I feel like people don't want to read it. And I feel like it could only hurt you, not, like it only help you, not hurt you. Um, Cause sometimes when we have two top candidates, 
And they're both qualified and only as left as we can compare cover sheets. That could be the last deciding factor or reference. Jenna, it looked like you were going to add something. I, I will say I won't leave a message if their name is not on their voicemail. So when I used to be at Wichita State, you know, talking to um, all of your students about it in a kind of a marketing plan is, so that's how you have to look at it. You're marketing yourself and check your phone, make sure it's not too full, number one, but that message should have your name because I don't know where I'm leaving that message and I'm not going to say I'm going to set it for an interview. Um, the other thing is I do not respond to another employer's email. I just had that recently with someone. I said, can I have your email? She gave me her current employer and I said, I don't send <laughs> uh, information to a current employer. And she goes, well, I don't have a personal email. Now, granted, I, she must be one of the few in the whole world that doesn't have a personal email, but uh, you need to have a personal email that doesn't have a stupid name. Uh, I would prefer it be your name. And I have, we used to collect stupid email names at my previous job. So uh, Pookie Bear is probably not going to be it or something with sexual content. Uh, you got to remember you're marketing yourself and it's just going to be best if it's your name. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I kind of want to jump on Jenna's point as well. The voicemail, even what you leave as a voicemail is important. I had a couple of voicemails like, what's up? See you later. I hate you. I'm not here. And hang up. And that just totally turned us off because we really thought he had, or he or she had potential off the resume. Specifically, Ken, just to clarify, you're talking about the voicemail greeting. So when you yes. call, the greeting that they get, as Jenna said, sometimes if you, if you don't set up your voicemail, uh, it's going to say, you know, you've reached number seven, eight, five, three, one, you know, whatever it is. Whereas really, Jenna, what you want to get is, and Kent, what you're talking about is you want to get, hello, you've reached Brian Austin. Thanks for calling. Please leave a message. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Correct? Right. Right. That makes sense. And Jenna, I think you brought up branding. I love the professional email. Just FYI, I think, uh, you know, mine was Tomahawk <laughs> underscore 007 at hotmail.com, you know, in 2004. So, um, you know, too funny. But let's kind of shift. So you, you mentioned your personal brand uh, that you are building, and you're doing that with your voicemail, with, with little things even like your email address that you choose, your, your you know, your personal one. Um, what other ways either, uh, you know, in this social media filled world, can we, uh, can individuals build their uh, professional brand? And is, I'll ask specifically, how important is LinkedIn? Very important. It's one of the things by law I can go look at <laughs> and uh, I do. Uh, I will say I, the last couple of generations have really filled those out well and have taken a professional look. It's, it just looks bad if you don't have one <laughs> and, or have no information on it. It's like, I have you. So um, your picture is important. Take that serious. It's an electronic resume. Spend the time to fill it out correctly. Keep it updated. Um, I, I look at, I, I'm a LinkedIn recruiter, so I'm out there searching for lots of people. I want to piggyback on that. Um, absolutely. I think LinkedIn is, LinkedIn is important. Um, I love the references. So if you can get 
peers or colleagues to to write those. Um, I, I love those. I, I, it kind of gives you another sense and layer of who the person is. Um, but also using a LinkedIn recruiter seat, I encourage people to put the buzzwords in there of what I'm looking for specifically against a position because I may be looking for, you know, as you know, somebody who has experience with thermoplastics. Well, I might be looking for thermoplastics, you know, and I need that to be on their LinkedIn seat or I'm going to miss them completely. So um, it's a fine line for being uh, too specific because it is just kind of a, a quick snapshot and run through. Um, I don't need somebody's resume put back into their LinkedIn profile because I actually have their resume normally in front of me. Um, but I need to know if I'm if I'm going out and I'm direct sourcing and trying to fish for someone, I, I want to know enough about them that I can 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 get a specific search. And I 100% uh, agree. Um, LinkedIn, like when I came into college, that was a huge part of SHRM and that's what they taught me about. And I started using it right away. I think something that I realized that some people don't really take advantage of is they think I can just make a LinkedIn and I'm good. Put a resume and I'm good and never use it. I feel like, you know, connect with people, um, learn about them, send a connection out. But then also, if you have an accomplishment, no matter how big or how small it is, post about it. Um, there was there's some uh, posts that can get 30,000 views. LinkedIn, it shares quickly. Um, so we can see, you know, how you're giving back to the community or how you're involved with the community. And as well as other social media, such as Facebook, there are some recruiters um, like myself. Um, we do check your social media. And if you have some inappropriate stuff on there, that could hurt you as well. So clean up your Facebook especially if you're getting to the age now where you're trying to look for a job and you got to be professional. I had to tell all my friends, hey, like I love all your memes and everything, but you can't be posting that on my wall no more. I have a lot of professional people as friends on Facebook now, so please respect that. Yeah, that's fascinating. So yeah, thank you so much for those responses. I think oftentimes, you know, I remember when all the conversations around social media were uh, cautionary, right? So make sure you don't have any bad pictures on your Facebook or Instagram accounts or whatever. Make sure. But now the conversation I've seen over the years is is really kind of shifted to, you know, tell the story through social media that you want people to know, right? Tell the story on LinkedIn that you want potential employers to see. And so, um, so it's it, your answers uh, confirm that. By the way. Uh, can't remember who brought it up, but someone mentioned professional photos. Take that seriously on your LinkedIn profile. If you need, if you're a if you're a WSU alum or a current student and need a headshot, a professional headshot, we can do that at the Shocker Career Accelerator here at Wichita State. So just go to wichita.edu/careers, and it should be an appointment you can make. Um, you can also call 316-978-3688 and schedule it uh, that way as well. So. What steps did you take while in college to prepare for your, your interviews? Uh, so I loved mock interviews. I remember um, getting with my friends and, you know, first big interview, you know, I'm going to graduate in a couple of months and, oh, and, and run me through questions. Now, to me, it wasn't as important, like, are they the right questions? But they really got me thinking about the experience and what it really takes, you know, to do that love mock interviews. I, I mean, I, I do them with friends and family members. If they're interested, they all come to me and like, I have a job interview, Lane, help, help, help. And I'm like, 
let's write some questions. Let's go through it. Um, you know, and I, and I, the one piece of advice I want to tell people is when they're answering questions to be as specific as possible, right? So behavioral based interviews are really what most companies use, meaning that the past experience is the best predictor of future action. So if you're able to give an example specific of when an action happened, what you did, and what was the end result, then you're more likely to be able to reproduce that in the future. So um, be specific, uh, give the details, and then give the end result. Yeah, I, I would say that, especially with college students, almost all of their experiences can be turned into transferable skills. So, you know, that person that worked at Dairy Queen got customer service. Not all customers are good, you know, or friendly. Um, if they were an athlete, they, they got team experience. So I, I think that almost everything counts and they need to consider that uh, employers that are interviewing college students know uh, that they haven't have, they don't have a job history. And, and to think outside the box of conflicts that they've resolved, uh, team opportunities they've had, um, what it was like to take direction. There, there isn't an athlete in the world that didn't have to take direction from their coach and get critical feedback, like it's time for you to go sit on the bench. So I say, think outside the box. And uh, they've had a lot of life experiences that I look forward to. And I used to always say, you know, the McDonald's and Dairy Queen were some of my best because sometimes they've had some of the most difficult customer service experiences. So I think there's a name to what uh, you all are referring to and and what that's that is behavioral based interview questions so do you all ask just kind of nod do you all ask behavioral based interview questions so <clears throat> excuse me so what i would encourage anyone listening to do if that term does not sound familiar to you just google behavioral based interview questions and it will outline exactly what those are so just like lane and and jenna said tell me about a time when uh you had a disagreement with a coworker about something, about a task that was given to you. Um, how did you handle that and what was the outcome? That might be an example of a behavioral-based interview question. And what it's looking for is exactly like the panelists said, a specific answer. So about a time, they want you to actually go back and, and talk about that time and what the outcome was. So Google that, look that up, and I just say mock interviews, playing, to your point, if students, alumni want to schedule a mock interview appointment, uh, they can do as many of these as they want. Same thing, you can go to wichita.edu slash careers, get that scheduled. You can also call uh, our, our office number 316-978-3688 and schedule those mock interviews. Let me, so here's another one. So looking at different companies, and this goes off to what you said, Lane, about interviewing the companies. How did you decide to work how did you decide to work for your current current organization? And what what advice would you give a student accepting a job offer? Um, so having made a, a very recent job uh, change and jump, um, I wanted to work for a great place. You know, that was really, really important to me. So doing my re research, like Jenna said earlier, researching the company, but I asked, I went out and talked to a bunch of people um, and wanted to, uh, you know, really know, is this a great place to work? So that's what was really important to me at where I am at, where I am in my career is, am I working for a great company and is my work valued? Um, so I encourage people to really think about what's important 
to them when they're making that decision. Do your research, talk to people, network, LinkedIn. You can figure out if you have any contacts or mutual connections that may work there or may have know somebody. Um, but it really is where we spend most of our time. And it's a very important decision. Right. I also tell people kind of do that gut check. Is this the right place for me? Um, there's a little bit of that. You know, if it doesn't feel right, it may not be. Um, but encourage people to to really go through that process of is this somewhere where I want to spend more time than when I that I spend with my family and or we're friends. Very good. So I want to ask one more question and then we'll wrap up with just final comments. Um, so for our current students, uh, how important are internships? I know there may be a lot of students out there who have, and I remember being in this situation, who have a good paying part-time job, but it is completely unrelated to uh, their degree and their long-term career outcome. So, you know, uh, t tell us about how you value as an employer internships and other applied learning experience. Well, I will say my last two jobs, interns have been very important and you're about 99% um, assured that we're probably gonna keep you, primarily because interns run through the same interview process as a direct hire would. Um, they're exposed, they decide if they like that job. Uh, we probably had maybe more fallout of someone waking up and saying, I got a degree in what? <laughs> this isn't what I wanna do. Uh, then the other way around, because um, I haven't had to let interns go very often. There are very few interns in my past that I had to sit down and say, this isn't a good fit, um, because we put a lot of energy in getting those interns to begin with. In fact, probably more energy than what we do in a direct hire. It's absolutely crucial, I think, to take internships and have that experience more than anything to make sure you chose the right field. Yeah, so I want to um, kind of add on to what Jenna said. Love interns. I think they're. I think it's um, very valued. I. I think it's one of those things where it is kind of that mutually beneficial. You're trying out a company. They're trying out you. Um, I do believe that it really helps. Um, and if you if you do have a successful internship, you are almost guaranteed a, that direct hire position. But I never want to discount the other parts because there are some majors that may, maybe not have as many internship opportunities. Um, so I don't want to discount uh, students or professionals who may not have internship opportunities, but did work or were leaders within an organization active on campus. Because to me, for entry level positions, I really... <laughs> And this is really the only time your GPA really matters is getting one of those first jobs right out of out of college is, you know, I would rather take somebody who has a 3.2 and is involved, active in internship, a job, a leadership opportunity than somebody who's a 4.0, but wasn't engaged or didn't do anything at all. Um, I'm not trying to undercut the importance of, of good grades. I'm trying to hire a person who is well-rounded and who will be able to come in and fit in with my team. Yes, I would also say 100% agree. Um, I think it's all about building that foundation when you're an undergrad, um, joining organizations that relate to your major. If you do not, if you lack work experience like I did, I had to make up for it by joining so many organizations that related to my major. And internships are such a huge thing. Um, just that related experience, even if you're taking a huge pay cut, I say for the long-term goal, it might be worth it. 
um, to get this experience in the bag and really build almost like your portfolio of yourself to sell yourself to the company. And I can't ex express how many times where my friends right now who were in my HR classes, they didn't care about internships. They just focused on the grade. Um, they didn't care about involvement. And they graduated with a great grade, a bachelor's in human resources, and they cannot find a job because they have no experience at all. And that is something I really stress to all my undergrad friends. Get involved and get stuff related to your career. Wow. Yeah, it's better to be at the bottom of a ladder you want to climb than halfway up when you don't. Um, so, yeah, an interesting point just about internships at Wichita State for current students or potential future students. Um, many of our interns, uh, it's not, you know, we have summer internships, but mo most of our students are working year round because we're located right here in, you know, the largest city in the state of Kansas. Students oftentimes will work uh, in internships 20 hours a week during the school year and then, you know, dial that up to 40 hours a week you know, during the summer and holiday break. So, so let's, uh, I just want to uh, wrap up here and uh, any final comments, anything uh, related to uh, your, you know, that you can bring with your experience and, and careers that you'd like to leave, you know, current students, alumni, you know, potential students down the road, anything you want to leave them with. I would say the big thing is to get involved in your professional organizations. I mean, Kent talked about um, the student SHRM program uh, on campus, their organization. I, I'm going to tap into organizations. Uh, I may even know the faculty advisor of some of those. So it's a great way to find students. And I think those students that have, um, which Lane kind of mentioned, that don't maybe necessarily have the traditional opportunities for internships. A lot of times I've hired them for runners or admin support or receptionists because I don't need them full time. And uh, we've, uh, I definitely put a runner through uh, four years of college. He's now HR at Spirit. Um, so it, it's, he got to see a professional environment. Once we knew his profession, um, I helped mentor him and gave him some opportunities in HR. Um, but I, I would say if, you know, don't, there are other opportunities. I always call Brian when I'm looking for someone, <laughs> uh, maybe calling him soon about someone. So <laughs> there are opportunities out there. Um, so I don't want people to be discouraged because maybe they're not in accounting or they're not in HR, they're not in engineering. There are other opportunities that um, those of us that have been in Wichita and Wichita State alums, we want to hire the Wichita State kids. Right on. Yeah. Um, just to just to wrap up, you know, I, I have small children, so I have a four year old and I have a nine year old. And what I tell them as we start having some of these conversations about what do you want to be when you grow up? And as a mom with with small children, I want my kids to be happy. Um, and so, you know, as you start having some of those conversations, um, I always go back to, you know, kids, I want you to do something that you love right that you're passionate about and that every day that you get excited about because life really is too short to do something where you're you go up every day and it's a it's a grind and it's exhausting um so if there's a way that you can find something that you truly are passionate about and figure out a way to get paid for it and do it really really well um i i would love to encourage people to do that 
Um, I guess I kind of just wanted to end it off with um, remember how important networking is and making connections. Sometimes the famous quote is not what you know, it's who you know. I feel like a lot of HR professionals can relate to that. It really hits home because that's who we are. We like to meet new people, we make connections and, you know, really join organizations. Even like what I did was every time I went to a SHARE meeting, I met all the HR professionals. I made sure I wanted to stand out personally, introduce myself, what I have, what I can do, and then kind of see what their business is about and what they can kind of give them in regards to life tips. Same thing with even your HR professors. Um, you never know who you meet because later down the road, they might help you get a job because that's how I personally landed a director role for someone who just got out of college only two years because of a connection. So that's something I want to say. That's a fantastic point, uh, Ken. And so what would you do after you met those HR professionals? Would you connect with them on LinkedIn? Yes, and take yeah. their business card. Usually almost every HR professional has a business card. Yeah, it's a great point. Students, you know, a lot of students don't realize um, you're building you know, network, you know, it's a scary word, but you know, to your point, you're building your network right now and you don't even know it. The people that you're interacting with in class, you know, I, I was amazed at how many of my former classmates I now have a professional working relationship with. And so, um, you know, fair point, uh, be a good teammate, be a good classmate, because um, you are building your professional network, whether you realize it or not. Um, well, thanks again, everyone. I really, this was a really engaging conversation. I really appreciate your time and sharing with us today. Um, so uh, we'll wrap up this session of Shock Talks. Jenna, Lane, Kent, uh, thanks for your insight. Back to Tate. Yeah, I just uh, I just want to thank you guys all again for, for helping us out with this conversation today. Um, I hope that people watched all the way through and they, and they really took notes because you guys cover things from being new students to your first job to even, you know, maybe that second career change or something like that. And I think there's advice for someone uh, at any stage in their life and any part of their profession um, to really take something away with. And, um, you know, a lot of good tips about the virtual interviewing and things that you probably should and shouldn't do. And um, I probably do things that I'm not supposed to do. You probably shouldn't have your hands on the screen, but, you know, um, I think that... Uh, it's been it's been a great conversation. I've had a pleasure, you know, kind of sitting backstage there and listening to you guys. And I hope everyone else that uh, has watched along uh, got some really great notes. And I just want to thank all of you for taking the time of your busy days and of your uh, careers to help us out today, um, and and be a part of that. So I want to thank all of our guests and Brian. Uh, I want to thank you for moderating and taking taking charge here on our career chat. And uh, we look forward to doing a lot more of these uh, in the future um, with various alumni and professionals. And, Make sure to check us out here at shockeralumni.org. Um, career chats for, for a list of those virtual talks or wichita.edu slash careers, right, Brian? That's where they're going to be located. So yep. uh, you can catch all that information. Watch this over as many times as you need to. Check out the new ones as they come out. Uh, and we look forward to uh, seeing you guys in the future. So thanks again, guys. And as always, uh, go Shockers, right? So Go Shockers.